Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Go to Philippians 1 again. Philippians chapter 1. So your notes are just to help you. As I start going through all these details about love, we won't probably cover all of them tonight because I really want you to take time to understand these. Every single one of these aspects of what the Bible reveals about, about love, these 16 different things. I mean, if you look at this definition of love, it's defining God. It's defining what we have. It's defining what's in us and it's defining how we should live. And it's critical for us, as we've actually talked about uh, again and again and again, relating in this church to the significance of the love walk in our life. But it's critical to walking in the very anointing and power of God, as we're going to see again over in 1 Corinthians in just a minute. But I wanted to pick back up here in Philippians chapter 1 and remind you about the importance of understanding two key things that the Bible reveals to us here about God's love. The book, the, without a doubt, you know that the Philippian church was one of the most loving churches in the New Testament. How do we know that? Does anybody know? They were the only ones, time and again, that gave to help the Apostle Paul. You know, if you think about it, the Bible tells us clearly in relationship in the book of Corinthians, talking about others in Macedonia, that were giving in a time of need, uh, you know, to the body of Christ. Paul acknowledged those of Macedonia that he said, you gave yourself first to God. And then to us, helping to be able to do this work. People that give themselves fully to God have no problem giving to God. Because they understand the power of what they're doing. Amen? And so it is with the Philippian church, because they again were the only ones, Paul said, that time and again gave. So they clearly had a love for God. No doubt. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, he says, And this I pray, that your love may abound. Say abound. So as a believer, what should we want? Abounding love. Your love would abound. He was praying this, by the way. You could pray this over yourself as well. I pray that your love may abound still what? More and more. Meaning what? It never decreases. But that love would continue to increase. Just imagine what the body of Christ would be like if we truly got totally caught up and saturated in the love of God. You know, we would still have issues with other people in the natural of things we may disagree with but wouldn't care. Because we're walking in love towards one another? That'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? So he says, clearly we are to abound still more and more in this love. Notice, in knowledge and all discernment. That your love may abound, how? More and more in knowledge. That your love would abound in knowledge and discernment. If you want to walk in a greater level of God's love, you've got to do so through knowledge of God's love and discernment. How to use it which we're going to start talking about tonight. Verse 10, doing so that you would what? Approve the things that are excellent. Because see, love does not mean that we endorse, as we will see, maybe if we get there tonight, we don't endorse wrong living. We don't endorse wrong doctrines. We don't endorse anything to do with the works of Satan and say it's okay because we love you. No, it's not. So love clearly doesn't do that. We've got to walk in knowledge and discernment of love so that we can approve the things that are what? Excellent. And that we may be what? Sincere in our walk with God. And therefore without offense. Without offense till the day of Christ. So walking in love does not mean that we just cross all boundaries of what the word says. Relationship to love. And then call it love because that could get us in trouble. That could get us in a position of compromise. Verse 11. We are to be filled therefore with the fruits of righteousness. Doing what's right in the sight of God which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So I know you heard it this morning, but for those joining us by live stream tonight, just a quick reminder, go to 1 Corinthians 13 while I'm talking. Uh, A quick reminder that to walk in love doesn't mean that we just accept what anybody's doing, act like it's no big deal, 
uh, you know, accept relationship with everybody around us, walk close to them. Now, there's warnings about certain people we have to beware of. Now, we need to be careful because we don't want to turn around and get so standoffish in that thought. It's like we were just trying to protect ourselves in a way we don't want to be around anybody. How's anybody going to get saved? How's anybody going to get delivered? How's anybody going to get set free? The, the stern warnings of the Bible in relationship to others, aspects of others' fellowship, who you hang out with, really relates to two primary things. Those of evil, we should not go and obviously do evil things with them. We should go reach them with the gospel. We should go tell them about the goodness of our God. We should not look upon them as an evil person. We should look upon them as a deceived person who needs Jesus. But the part of what the Bible warns us the most about is those who are believers who literally continue, and I would just put it in the term of what Jesus said, who kind of, in essence, live similar to the days of the Bible in the deeds of the Nicolaitans, where they constantly mixed different aspects of what we know were actual things of, of, of the enemy, of pagan ways of doing things, and saying it was okay. In, in, in Nicholas's view, it was okay to have multiple wives. It was okay to therefore have uh, what the Bible calls adulterous relationships. They thought it was okay to have sex before marriage. They thought it was okay to get drunk. No big deal. If you get drunk, you're saved by grace. As I mentioned to you this morning from Corinthians, I'll show it to you. If you back up, I think it's 1 Corinthians. If it's not, chapter 5, I'll get it right here in a minute. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Yep, here it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 5, 9. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with. So see, walking in love doesn't mean that we just befriend everybody and hang out with everybody. You had 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9. I wrote you to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people, yet I certainly did not mean with sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to do what? Go out of the world. But, verse 11 is the verse I want you to see, but now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. So they're claiming to be a Christian. They're claiming to be Christ-like, to walk with God. And they are, and it lists multiple things here, sexually immoral, that's fornication, saying sex is okay outside of marriage, covetous, or an idolater, an idolater they're making to God to fit their lifestyle. As well as a reviler, one who's always trying to, to strike back and harm people or even cause harm. Or a drunkard, one who has no problem with getting drunk. No big, these are not people who are battling these things. These are people who think it's okay, who claim to be Christians. So understand the difference. We're not talking about people come into the body of Christ. I mean, some of them still have sexual morality going on. Some of them still have covetous issues. Why? They're, they're new to the body. They're baby Christians. How many of you were totally fixed after you got saved? No, you need some fixing, right? But this is talking about, if you look at this in the Greek text, this is talking about ones who claim these things are okay because I'm a Christian. No, they're not. And anybody who would say such, he goes on to say an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or an extortioner. An extortioner is somebody is, is, is simply out to get dishonest gain, and they don't care who they hurt to do it. Notice this, not even to eat with such a person. Hey, let's go do lunch together. Sorry. <laughs> if you claim any of these things are okay, and you're a believer, and you want to come have dinner at my house or go have lunch somewhere, you know what I got to say? Nope. Well, that's not love. Yes, it is. Because I'm obeying the Bible. Guess who you're supposed to love above people? The Lord your God. Awful quiet in this place tonight. Now be careful because, again, this is, this is talking about people who, in essence, in, in their view, there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with living this way. And yet you could go to the Word and show them otherwise, and they'll say, ah, that's not the way I interpret that. Oh, that's not the way I see that. It ain't hard to figure out sexual immorality is wrong in the sight of God. There's all kinds of verses for it as well as being a drunkard, as well as being what? An idolater, on and on we could go. So understand walking in love. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. Walking in love doesn't mean we become this friend of everybody around us and just act like whatever they're doing is okay. Now, now we're going to see as we walk through love how we deal with those people is critical. 
Because one, we got to protect ourselves from them. That's why he tells you not to hang around them. And number two, because first of all, let me back up one. So if I claim to be a Christian and I'm out living, obviously I'm out in the world. I'm out doing jobs, you know, in the context of the world in which I live, around sinners, whatever. And if they know that I say, oh, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. But I tell them, it don't matter if you get drunk or not. Well, let me help you. What, what does that tell on the person who is not the believer, who's bound by all those things? Well, why should I get born again? Why should I give my life to Jesus? You're living just like me. But see, God wants us to show people, no, there's a way out. Yes. You know, Dr. Barclay was an alcoholic after he got born again. And the first church that he was in, he tried to find, can you imagine how this would be so much easier today? He, he tried to find a Christian in all of that church, several hundred people of all that church. He tried to find a Christian that drank to justify his drinking. He didn't think it was right. He was being convicted it was wrong. But he was so bound by it. He felt like, if I could find somebody that's doing it, at least I could somewhat justify what I'm doing. He knew it was wrong, but he was trying to justify what he was doing. Thank God. Say, thank God. Now, I'm going to tell you why the Christians in the church didn't drink. You know why they didn't drink? Because they had a pastor who taught them the truth. Billy Falling, who, who was a disciple maker. He told Dr. Barclay when he was a young man, he said, I can make a disciple out of you, but don't mess around with me. If you're not serious about being a disciple, don't even waste my time. But if you want to be a disciple, I'll make a disciple out of you, Mark. And he did exactly that. It stuck. I said, it stuck. Our pastor is one of the strongest disciples I know. So walking in love takes what? I'm going to say it again. Knowledge and discernment. Say it. Walking in the love of God. Say that. Walking in the love of God takes knowledge and discernment. For you to walk in God's love, and we need to. Say we need to. For us to walk in the love of God, we've got to have what? Knowledge and discernment. If you think you're going to walk in the love of God without knowledge and discernment, Satan can take advantage of you and lead you off into something that isn't even quote-unquote close to looking like what the love of God should look like. Because in today's times, we've shifted back over to the book of Jude era. We're back into the book of Judah era in the time you and I are living. That you can do anything you want because you're saved by grace. People think that's a new doctrine. No, 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 no. It's been around over and over again. And it started back in the days of the Bible in the book of Jude. He literally declared through that very letter, there are those who claim that because they're saved by grace, they can live any way they want. This isn't new. This has been around for a long time. See, the reality is there's a lot of people that really honestly from a perspective of knowing of a hellish outcome if they don't get to go in relationship to God to heaven. They don't want to go there, but they don't want to change their life. So salvation for them is nothing more than an out at the end of life. I get to live how I want, but then I get an out at the end of life, and I don't have to go to hell. Well, per the purpose of getting born again isn't to miss hell. People get shocked when I say that. Are you kidding, Pastor? Jesus never said, let me tell you why you need to get born again, because you need to miss hell. No, he said you need to get born again so you can do what? So you can live a brand new life with the Father walking in relationship with him. Heaven's a given. Heaven's a given for those who walk close with God. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, back up one verse in chapter 12 to verse 31. As we are talking about walking in the power of Pentecost, he referred to the manifestation gifts of the Spirit in this chapter 12. He refers to unity in a whole bunch of verses in 12 all the way down through 27. And in verse 31, he said, "How this is how you walk in unity. You've got to earnestly desire the best gifts, the spiritual gifts, and you've got to do what? He's going to show you a more excellent way, and you've got to walk in love. Got to walk in love. So if you'll pick it up with me in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, he says in verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now again, I've heard people say in preaching this, they've said, so he was able to speak with tongues and interpret, but if he didn't say it in love, it wasn't well received. No, 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 that's not what this is saying. If you're not walking in love, guess what? It ain't actually functioning in your life. Faith works through love. How do you operate in the gifts? Faith. If you're out of love, guess what ain't functioning? The gifts. Why? It takes faith to walk in them. So he's saying if I get out of love, and a lot of people will claim they're speaking on behalf of God, but if they're not walking in love, guess what? The words you're hearing aren't from God. 
Verse 2, he goes on to say, even though I have the gift of prophecy to speak directly without tongues and interpretation, words of exhortation, edification, and comfort, all he's saying is these gifts operated in my life. And it's, it, these are two of the predominant gifts in my life. He said, and you need to know what yours are. You need to learn them and start functioning in them as the Holy Spirit wills. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, he had no lack of faith. He wasn't bragging on himself. He said, I've got faith so that I could move mountains. But if I have not love, guess what? Again, I'm nothing. In other words, my faith's not going to work. Even though I've got the ability in me and know it to be able to speak to any mountain commanded to go, it ain't going to move. If I'm out of love. Verse 3, he goes on to say, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, guess what again? It profits me nothing. Why are all these things profiting nothing? What are the gifts of the Spirit all about? The gifts of the Spirit are about manifesting God's glory and power as a weapon against the works of darkness to annihilate the works of darkness. If you're not walking in love, you're not walking in those gifts. So you got to understand, they don't function without love working in your life. Now, there's a reason why that's so true. Because the other part of what, I even like what uh, Kathy's been uh, hearing a series from Billy Brim, about the fact that love is like an insulator. So if you take like a power, natural power, and you send it through a line, you know, all these electrical lines that carry this power. you got to have an insulator, don't you, Justin? you got to have an insulator over that power. What happens if you don't? You touch that line, man, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. Well, God's power is far stronger than any electricity we got going on in the earth today. And there, guess what? There's an insulator. Yes. See, if we're not walking in love, guess what would happen? If we are out of love, we would try to use that power for ways it was never intended. And guess what it would do? It would do harm. In a sense, it would do harm. would not be good. Think about Ananias and Sapphira. They dropped dead because of what Peter said. Now God, obviously he's walking in love. He's obeying God. And therefore it wasn't him doing that in the sense like God doing that through him by mistake because he was out of love. No, that power won't operate. I said that power won't operate. If you're out of love, it'll do harm. God won't let it function through you. This is why we need to walk in love. I said this is why we need to walk in love. So, verse 4 begins to tell us and, and define for us 16 different things about love. Love suffers long and is kind. It does not envy. Love does not parade itself and is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in inequity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails, has no end. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. They'll have an end. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there's knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away what? Now, why does he tell us that in the midst of all this? I'll tell you why. Because if you're not going to mature as a believer, we'll talk about this later on. If you're not going to mature as a believer, you're not going to walk in love. If you're going to live childish and immature as a believer, you're never going to get to walking in love. It takes a mature believer to do so. Verse 12, for now, I, now we see in, in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Say glory to God. Glory. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I'm known. And now in this time frame you're in, abide in what? Guess what you should be living in every day? Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Because again, hope is a goal setter. Hope is a goal setter. We get hope based on the Word of God, what the Word of God says we can put our hope in. God says you can put your hope in the fact that you can function in the gifts of the Spirit. You can walk in the power of God. But faith all of a sudden begins to take hold of that through the Word and say, I believe that and I accept that and I'm going to believe God in Jesus' name that I'm going to do that. But without love, it won't work because faith works through love. So that's why love's the greatest. Amen? On your notes here, I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. I encourage you to hold on to these, study these, meditate on these. I'm going to tell you what, we're talking about, yes, the power of Pentecost and manifesting the glory and power of God, which needs to be seen in the earth today like never before. But I guarantee you this will help you in every realm of your life. 
Your life will become so much better. Can I tell you why? The greater form of love you walk in, the more your faith will work. So apply that to your personal walk. I mean, I want to see your faith work better. Guess what's going to help you do that? Love of God will. Love of God will. You can almost, like Brother Hagin said, you know, obviously if you know how faith works and you're truly walking in the light of the truth of what faith is in the Bible, you can almost attribute every faith failure to not walking in love. Almost. There'd be some exceptions. That'd be the first place he would check if his faith wasn't working. If your faith ain't working, I'd be really meditating on these things here. Amen? Getting them down. Praise God. Because what we're going to describe tonight is already in you. Go ahead, shake your neighbor and say, it's already in there. It's already in there. All right, amplified. Verse 4. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. Is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. I'll read that one again. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not what? Now, I'm going to tell you, we're going to get in this deeper as we go through this. But the reason that a lot of people are self-seeking, you, you, don't, you may not realize this. I've learned this through the years that I've taught Search for Significance. Yeah. People become self-seeking because they haven't found their true value and worth in God. And therefore, they're trying to find it in the creation, not the creator. So this is what causes people to get out of love as well because they don't find their full value and worth in God. Again, you can't be a baby child believer and walk in these things. You, you got to mature as a believer. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Say that be me. Come on. Love of God's in you. Encourage your pastor a little more because whether you know it or not, that's really you. You may not be walking in it yet, but that's really you. I said that's really you. Love of God was shed abroad in your heart when you were born again. First fruit of your new recreated human spirit. If you're born again and you don't, without a doubt, in Jesus' name, raise your hand. Say, that's me. Why? Because that's who's in you. That's who's in you. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. doesn't keep a record. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Listen. If you're going to keep records of what people do against you, you're going to be shocked when you get to heaven and God says, I wiped yours clean. That's right. I ain't keep a record of your stuff. I wiped it away. The blood cleansed it away. Washed it away. Verse 6, it does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness. Obviously, this, you're going to see this. This deals with false teachings, false aspects of things that people say is okay to do. No, nope, it rejoices when right and truth prevail. Why? Truth sets you free. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Say again, that's me. Because that's not just your God. That's you because you're born again and you're made in the image and likeness of your God. So we're going to walk through these. If you'll look at your notes, and again, I just wanted to save you time and not trying to write everything down. And then we're going to kind of just define them and talk about them individually a little more in depth. So you can just look at the notes I gave you instead of your Bible if you want, unless you want to get them underlined in your Bible. Or however they're worded if you're not in the New King James, could be a little different uh, aspect of what you're seeing there. But this, of course, is from the New King James. Number one, the first thing that love does is love does what? It suffers long. It suffers long. So, what I'm giving you is a completed definition from Greek scholars who tell us what these words actually mean. They align this with what Scripture confirms as it relates to these subjects by being able to confirm them through other parts of the Bible. So, this comes from a multiple view of Greek scholars of the context of 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. So, what does it mean it suffers long? It is patient toward all men. Patient toward all men with, listen to this, with humble submission to the will of God. That's a key. That's a key. 
So if I am in a position of being patient toward all men, when we say men, we're just mankind, all men and women. Being patient meaning what? So in the essence of me maybe being mistreated, uh, this is what I talk about all the time in the area of marriage. This is difficult for some people to get, but you got to understand something. You're not going to have a successful marriage without learning how to walk in love. You are not going to be successful in marriage if you don't learn to suffer long with the person you're married to. Because they're not always going to be perfect. They're not always going to say the right thing. They're not always going to do the right thing. So the key here is patient, meaning that I am patient with them. I'm allowing them the opportunity to continue to develop and grow. Because I'm not perfect and they're not perfect, I'm not going to press them to instantly change within the next six months overnight to become a brand new person in six. This is why people a lot of times don't make it in marriage because they're not willing to press through the challenges and the hard times and the battles when they come in the natural. Because come on, man, marriage is like a four-stage thing, you know. There's the dating stage. Yeah, she's the prettiest thing I've ever seen. Oh, I want to win her. And so you get her to like you. And all of a sudden you decide you want to get married. Hopefully you know it's God. And you find out you want to get married. So then you get married. Now what are you in? Honeymoon stage. Woo! Finally. We're married. In the same home. Praise God. Honeymoon. Honeymoon. And then you hit the third stage, which is called reality stage. Now God showed me years ago. You, you can compare this in the Bible. Building a marriage is like building a home. Right. If you want to know what building a home is like, just ask Josh Grimes. Building a, <laughs> building a marriage is like building a home. When you start off planning the home, it's so exciting. Yeah. Oh, look at all we're going to have. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. Isn't it going to be great? See, that's the dating stage, right. right? Then excitement builds as you actually start the building. You start the building process. That's like you've gone to the altars now. We've started the process of the building of the house when we go to say I do at the altars and it's exciting at first. Isn't it exciting, honey? Isn't it exciting, man? Come on, they're digging up dirt. Isn't it exciting? They're about to lay some concrete. Isn't it exciting? Man, we're going to have a home. But then all of a sudden, reality stage hits. And that's where stuff comes up you didn't plan on. That's where things happen you never even planned on. Every builder will tell you, man, you're going to wind up running into stuff you never planned on. So this is where the challenge comes in life and marriage as to whether or not you're going to walk in the love of God and be what? You're going to be patient toward that other person. You're going to give them all the time they need. I'm not responsible whether Kathy walks in love or not. I'm responsible whether I do. Now notice this. Patient toward all men with what? Humble submission to the will of God. So that means no matter what, I don't stop doing what I know God's will is for my life. I don't allow what somebody else does, what somebody else says, how somebody else treats me to stop me from walking in the will of God. That is one of the number one reasons why Satan wants to get you out of love. He wants to get you out of the will of God. So in essence, if you think about it, um, I'm not faulting anybody because we're not looking back. Say we're not looking back. You know, people have passed, things have happened, decisions have been made. I get it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. But I'm just explaining the fact that it's true. Like Dr. Summerall said, nobody walking in love goes to a divorce court. It's people who get out of love. And you don't fall out of love like there's a hole like you fall into. Now realize you can do everything possible to walk in love and that other person doesn't. And therefore you can't do their part. You can't make them walk in love. But we're not here to find fault, about, and we're not even thinking about the past. We're just saying that we need to recognize moving forward, I've got to be patient towards all people and remain in submission to the will of God. If I get out of submission to the will of God, guess what? You're going to continue to stir up strife and division in that situation and not cause things to get better. You're going to cause things to get worse. That's what the devil wants. So, number one, love's going to suffer long. Say, suffer long. So being patient with people here, again, remember we talked about this as, as to who we're to keep company with, doesn't mean I keep hanging out with people I shouldn't. Well, there you go. See, I don't want to hang out with this spouse anymore. Now, talk about that. You made a commitment to that. We're talking about believers here, other believers that you are not married to. Can I get a better amen? 
Because, I mean, people get all kinds of ideas. The, I, I, I understand. I've been through a lot of years of marriage counseling with a lot of people. It's not easy. My marriage was not easy in the early stages. It is now, but it wasn't then. I mean, we went through two, three years of really challenging parts of our marriage when we got to the reality stage. There was times my wife wanted to leave, go back, move back in with her mom and dad. And I'll guarantee you a big part of that was because I wasn't being the husband God called me to be. I didn't know how, number one. I didn't know how to be a husband. A lot of people go into marriage thinking, hey, it's just going to work, you know, because we so, we so love each other. Glory to God. It'll just work. Let me help you. Marriage is work. Yes. Building a house is work. Yes. Josh Grimes said, I'll guarantee you, marriage is work. So if you want a good marriage, guess what you're going to have to do? You have to work at it. So if you want to walk in love, anybody want to walk in love and see the glory of God in your life? Yes. Guess what that tells you? You're going to have to work at it. Yes. So to so suffer along with anybody, you've got to remain patient with them. Meaning what? That you're not all of a sudden saying, that's it, I'm done, forget it, I'm out of here. Uh, if it's a relationship you're supposed to stay in, you've got to remain patient walking in the will of God. Yeah, but they just ain't never going to change. Well, I guarantee you what, you certainly ain't going to help them. You keep confessing that, I can almost assure you, as long as they're around you, that ain't going to happen. Because your words are powerful. If I was you, I'd speak words of life, not words of death. I'd start confessing, man, that they change in Jesus' name. One of the first things God taught me in, in a difficult time, I relate this a lot to marriage because it takes this to make marriage work. What, what God related to me in making the marriage work in relationship to my wife was, he said, you start thanking me for your wife every day. I said, no. I'm not happy with her. I'm not, why would I thank you for her when she's treating me this way? He said, ah, uh, did you not know this was your wife when you met her? Ah, uh, yeah. Did you not know she was a gift for me? Yeah, then start thanking me for her. Amen. Start giving thanks for her. That alone made a huge difference. I didn't, I didn't go to her and say, I thank God for you. Oh, I thank God. No, I'm talking about dealing with me. That's right. Dealing with me saying, I thank you, Father, for my wife. I thank you for Kathy as my wife. Can I get a better amen? amen. Number two, you still with me or did I already lose you? No, no, good. Did I already lose you? No. You're already out of here. No. You're already on vacation. No. You're already setting off fireworks tonight no. in your mind. No. no. Okay, so love suffers long. Say, I stay patient. What's that mean? You remain consistent with them by staying submissive to the will of God. Number two, love is kind. Say, love is kind. So this ain't hard to figure out. In today's society, we don't see this hardly at all. Very little. Seriously, I mean, just in basic society, we definitely have seen the, degra the uh, degra degradation of the society even in America. I remember as a kid growing up, people were a whole lot different in public when you went to restaurants and stuff than they are today. You know, everybody now is self-privileged. You got to understand, folks, you got to walk in love towards those people and realize they're deceived, man. Most of them don't even know Jesus. And they need to. They need to see him in you. So to be kind means what? It is tender. Say tender. And compassionate. Say that. And it does what? It creates trouble for no one. I'm not out trying to create trouble for people. Well, if this person would stop creating trouble for me, there you go again. See, if you're going to walk in love, you better get your eyes off of what everybody else is doing and just focus on little old you. Tell your neighbors, I got enough to deal with with little old me. I could tell you, I don't have time tonight, I could tell you story after story after story after story. Even a recent event where I was in a situation and I knew before I ever went there, I dealt with myself before I ever went there. I kept saying to myself, see, walking in love doesn't mean it's easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. It was, oh, oh, oh I just so love you. It's so easy to walk in love. You know, my flesh did not want to walk in love. Did not. But you know what? I knew this going into the situation. So I said, I choose love. I choose love. I'm going to walk in love. I don't care if these people love me or not. I ain't responsible for them. But I choose to walk in love. I watched God through nothing more than a hug given that day, which was not well received. Nothing more than a hug given that day totally changed the situation in a matter of about 45 minutes of time. That afterwards the Lord said that wouldn't have happened had you not loved them. That would not have happened. So you got to understand, folks, to be kind is a part of love. Right? 
Okay, I gotta walk in love. Bless God. Well, all right. Okay, Rip, how you doing? Good to see you. Yeah, why don't you just get out of my way? Go on, go do something else. Praise the Lord. I'm walking in love. Glory to God. That's not very kind. I mean, if you saw somebody on a regular basis and you're going to be kind to them, guess what you would do? You'd be polite. You would be nice. You would be presentable. Come on, somebody. Well, they wronged me. Okay. But that doesn't mean you don't walk in love towards them. Rip didn't wrong me. I'm just... It doesn't mean you don't walk, uh, uh, walk in love towards them. And to do that, what do you do? You remain kind. You remain tender. You remain compassionate. You don't realize walking in love will open your eyes up to stuff about people you never saw. Because guess what? Many of us are still having issues that we're not free from yet, not just them. Can I get a better amen? So again, it's tender and compassionate. And it does what? Creates trouble for no one. I'm not out to try to cause harm or problems for people. I'm out to do what? I'm out to walk in the love of God towards all people. Therefore, I'm going to be tender and compassionate. You know? I, I, I think of uh, people today. I walk up. Almost, Kathy can tell you, I, just been, I was raised that way by my dad. You know? I open the door for everybody, man. Sometimes my family's in the restaurant. But you know how it happens, you know? You open the door. <laughs> Your family goes, and there's people right behind them. So it's like, yeah, come on. And there's just a line, man. It's just like, okay, praise the Lord. I'm the hired doorkeeper today. Where much are they going to pay me? You know, until yeah. everybody's in, gone in, you know. And when there's nobody else, then you walk. That's what love is. That's, right. That's what love is. It's tender and passionate. Amen. It's tender and passionate towards other people. Number three, love does not what? Envy. Does not envy. So this means... It is not grieved because of what another person may possess naturally or spiritually. Love doesn't look at what somebody else got and say, man, how come they always get blessed? That ain't love. That ain't love. That ain't love. You know what love does? Isn't that cool? That is awesome. Wow. Do you see that new home they built? Do you see that new place they bought? Do you see that new car they're driving? Love doesn't look at it and say, well, how come they got one and I don't? And you ain't gonna. Not by the hand of God. Not with that attitude. See, love rejoices in the blessings of others. It does not envy what other people have, get upset and get mad and get grieved over it based on what another person may possess, either naturally or spiritually. How about positions even? How many people have ever been in a workplace where you wanted a promotion and you didn't get it and somebody else did? And you got mad at that person. Well, first of all, guess what? They aren't the ones that promoted themselves. Somebody above them promoted them. Maybe you did deserve the promotion, but you got a choice. Get out of love and not let God help you. Or stay in love and say, hey, I'm glad they got it. You don't know their situation. They might have needed it worse than I did. I don't know what their bills are like. I don't know what their situation's like. Right? So love does what? It doesn't envy. What does it therefore do? It rejoices when people get blessed. It rejoices when it sees others getting blessed. Again, spiritually and or even through natural means. So I don't look at somebody else in a position, well, how come she gets to go up there and sing? And they won't let me. Do you ever think maybe you can't sing? <laughs> how come he gets to run the sound booth back there? Gopi gets to sit back there in the sound booth, run the sound booth. How come I don't get to run the sound booth? Do you ever think maybe it's because you don't know anything about electronics? Right. <clears throat> don't envy. No. I said don't envy. Why? Because that's not what love does. Right. Number four, love does not do what? Blow its own horn. Here we go. Look at me. <laughs> I just thought I'd try to wake you up a little bit. It does not parade itself. It's 4th of July. It does not what? It does. Oh, little typo there. Not doe. Not like a, like a deer there. Put an S behind it. It does not desire to be what? You ready? Noticed or applauded. But it wants God to be all in all. So who are the people that struggle with this? I'm going to tell you again. These are the people who don't find their full value and worth in God. Been there, done that. Where I want to be recognized. Let me help you. These are some telltale signs of some of these things that I'll go through to help you out. So in essence, there's some people would say, well, I'm not parading myself. But yet, if anybody says anything towards you and you immediately take it as an offense, like they're attacking you, you have a problem with this. You have a problem with this. 
Why? Because you yourself, again, are doing what? You're wanting to be noticed or applauded. You're wanting to be noticed in a sense like, well, I didn't do that. Well, that's not what I thought. Why are you saying that about me? Again, you got to be careful because if my self-worth and value is in God, then I don't desire in any shape or form to be what? To be recognized, applauded, or even be acknowledged as I'm right, you're wrong. Amen. See the I'm right, you're wrong person? Come on. You're parading yourself. Do you have any idea? I, I want to get to heaven and find out. I want to I count, Lord, I probably won't, probably won't keep a record. I want to count how many arguments I've had with her, all because I wanted to prove I'm right. You're wrong. No, that sign didn't say that, Kathy. It said this, I saw it. So did I. Over a sign. Oh, I know none of you do none of this stuff. I know none of you. You're, you're all the innocent, wonderful, beautiful, walking in love people, you know. But I'm going to tell you what, man. Even spiritually, there's people who want to prove themselves over others spiritually because I'm right, you're wrong. Well, let me help you. This I'm right, you're wrong thing is somebody who is doing what? Exalting themselves by not finding true value and worth in God. If you worth and value, listen, if, if my full worth and value is in God, guess what? It don't matter if I'm right or wrong. It does in the sense that could hurt my life if it's something major. But I mean, think of the stupid stuff we want to argue over whether you're right or wrong. None of it has to do with spiritual issues. You know, we'll talk about things that come up all the time and rodeos or different things or whatever, you know. Uh, and, oh, no, I know. I, I, she said, oh, so-and-so did that. No, no, listen, Kathy, that's not what they did. Listen, this is what they did. I mean, all of a sudden, here's the devil again trying to get you to argue over who's right, who's wrong. Right. What, what does it matter? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five. Say, this better not be you in Jesus' name. So you don't desire to be noticed or applauded. Noticed or applauded, again, means I want to be even proven right. You're wrong, no matter what it is. Spiritual things as well. People have argued over spiritual things. I've learned, man, through uh, Dr. Terry Byers. I've learned through my pastor. I've learned through Brother Hagen. Brother Hagen didn't mess with you know, social media, not around in his day. You know, now you got social media. So I share stuff on social media to help people with the truth. And Kathy can tell you, man, I'd have people respond back and say, no, that ain't what this means. This is what this means. I say, are you kidding me? I didn't post something on there to get your opinion. I didn't post something on there that I haven't lived or learned from my spiritual leaders that I know is true. So it's, this isn't like an up for debate issue. Now, if you had a question about it, I'd be glad. But that's not what they want to do. Guess what they want to prove? Guess what they want to prove? I'm right, you're wrong. And so, of course, you know what that does to me? Gets me out of love, and I want to prove I'm right and prove they're wrong. Right? And then all of a sudden, here you go, man. You take off, man. Now you're saying all this stuff. No. This, and they, you think they're going to agree with you? No. They've never, I've never had anybody who's tried to start an argument over something they didn't agree with that I said on Facebook ever say, you know what, I'm so glad you stayed up with this conversation for the past three days and reposted against everything I said because now I see I'm wrong. Nobody's ever done that. Never. You listening? So anytime somebody posts something contrary, guess what? I don't even respond. I don't even answer. You know what? I delete it. Bye. I didn't post it to get your opinion. Now, if I had something I wasn't sure about, which I certainly wouldn't go on social media and ask everybody, please don't go to social media looking for spiritual answers. Go to your leadership. I'd call my pastor. I wouldn't get on social media. Well, I don't know what this means. So what do y'all think about this scripture? Oh, my God. That's the dumbest thing you could ever do. It ain't just about all the answers you get. What about all the people following it and reading it? And 15 are going to read, believe one thing and 15 are believe another. You're going to be misleading people. I'm not going to post stuff if I don't know it's a fact. If it ain't black and white in the Bible, I ain't touching it. Can I get a better amen? And all that would come back to this thing that I got to prove that I'm right. I got to prove you're wrong. I got to prove that I'm right. In my mind, I would say, I just want to help them. But the truth is, the motive behind it was because I wanted to be right. And I wanted to show them that I was right. And you're saying I'm wrong and I'm not wrong. In my heart, I know I'm not wrong. So I'm going to prove to you I'm right. That goes nowhere. And that ain't love. And guess what now me and another brother in the Lord are doing? We're arguing. We're fighting. We're not walking in love. You listening? I'd rather delete your comment and walk away in love. What if they, what if they you know, come back at you again? Sorry, there's a block feature on social media. 
I love you, but I'm not here to debate with you. If you have questions, I'll, ask, I'll answer questions you have. But you're not doing that. You're trying to prove, you know, a point to everybody out here. The sad part about it is, you know, if you're a minister on, on Facebook and you got all these other people want to be ministers that follow you, they don't have the following you have, so they're trying to use your page to, to, to say what they think on your post. My page ain't for your post, darling. I didn't create it for that. Amen? Uh, number five, you still with me? Love is not what? So it sounds similar, but it's not. This is talking about the fact that it is not inflated with a sense of its own importance, for it knows that it deserves nothing of benefit given by God. So it means that, here's another way to say it. Puffed up here means I deserve this. I earned this. I have a right to this. Look what I did. You don't have a right to anything. Love doesn't try to quote unquote say I have a right to this, I have a right to that. Jesus had a right not to die. Jesus had a right not to be crucified. But yet he was crucified. The disciples had a right not to be stoned. The disciples had a right not to be beaten with whips. The disciples had a right not to be beaten with rod. Just preaching the truth. But do you notice they didn't get upset about it. You know what they did? They rejoiced that they could be counted worthy to suffer for Jesus Christ. So this is different. This is not talking about the aspect of, I want to be noticed or applauded. This is talking about the fact that you think you deserve what you've got. Because after all, look how hard I've worked. Hey, spiritual things. Look how, look how long I prayed. You want to know why they had revival in this meeting? I'll tell you why they had revival in me. They wouldn't have had revival had I not been praying for a week before the meeting. Well, see, there you go. You're not walking in love. You're saying you're the reason that the revival took place. That's not the reason. You know, the reason, sure, people need to be praying. People need to be prepared. But I'll tell you the reason, God chose to show up. I said God chose to show up. So we don't take anything that was given to us as a benefit by God as if we deserve it. I don't deserve the home I live in. I don't deserve the church family I get to preach to. I don't deserve anything in my life. All of it's a gift from God. I don't deserve any of it. When you think you deserve it, that means you think you've earned it. That's not love. Think about this. Let me tell you why it's not love. Because guess who earned everything for you? Love himself did. So love doesn't say, I've earned anything. Love doesn't say, I deserve anything. You know, you'll say people, well, they got this or that. They're well deserving. I'm serious about it. I'll make it note publicly as a statement for everybody to know in this church and everybody that knows me and all my family and anybody else that knows me as a friend. Do not, if the Lord tarries and I go home to be with the Lord, the end of my time on this earth, do not have a memorial service for me. I don't want a memorial service. I don't want people to come and laud me. Well, look what he did. Look at all. I don't want people to do that. I could have done any, anything that I've done without Jesus. It wasn't me that did it. Now, I understand people say, yeah, but it's a way to honor you. I don't want to be honored. I want Jesus to be honored. That's just me. I'm not trying to even sound like I'm somebody big. I'm not. I just don't believe why take all the time and go through all this money and, and expense? I'm not wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong for people that want to do it. You know why? Because some people need closure. Some people do. So I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. Don't, don't misinterpret. I'm not about my life. I'm about my life. Everybody has a different aspect of what they want to do. I'm not saying it's wrong to have memorial services. I'm glad for the ones my spiritual dads had that I got to go to. I'm not saying that's wrong. I just don't want one. Is that okay? It's my life. My, right? It's my life. Can I not chew? I don't want one. I don't want one. You know what you do? You, if you're still here, if you're still here and I'm gone to heaven, you just say, man, I'm jealous, Pastor. <laughs> I'm jealous where you're at, where you're walking. Praise God. But understand, I, 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 that's just because I personally do not owe, I do not, uh, God owes me nothing. I'm owed nothing. Everything I have is a gift from God. You know why? Because he loves me. Because he loves me. Isn't that cool? Yes. Amen. Uh, number six, and then we got to quit. We're out of time. Love does not behave what? Rudely. Doesn't behave rudely. So it does not act out of place or character. Think about that. 
Rudely means you're acting out of place or character. You know why? Because as a born-again child of God, that's not your character. It's out of place for you in relationship to you as a spirit being. It's out of place for you to be rude because that's not part of your character. It's not part of your makeup. What's your makeup? Love, joy, peace, long-serving, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, gentleness, uh, self-control. Kind, oh, those are all parts of who you are. So this is not a part of your makeup. It's not, part, it's not in line with your character. To act rudely is to act out of place or out of character. And therefore, it does not do so. Showing, because love does what? It shows forth good manners. It never intentionally offends anybody. Never intentionally offending others. It doesn't mean I may not say something that may not offend you. But my goal isn't to offend. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to offend anybody. There are people who want to offend people on purpose. That's not love. I said that's not love. So love does not behave what? Rudely. Doesn't act out of its place or character. Natural aspects of what you have as a believer. Talking about from the spiritual side. You remain within character. Showing forth good manners. And never intentionally offending others. Alright. We got through six of the sixteen. We'll pick it up Wednesday night. Amen. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.